Did you guys ever learn to like write? Oh, the kiddos, yeah, you guys, they're already leaving. I don't know. Okay, they're going. Whatever. Okay, did you guys ever learn to write uh, like thesis statements in, for an essay, like for an argumentative essay, you had to write like a thesis statement, right? I learned that in freshman year of high school. I was in an honors English class and I wrote an argumentative essay through a book and I got a C on it. And I didn't like getting C's because I was used to teachers telling me how awesome I was when I, whenever I wrote anything. So <laughs> C I was not good with and did not feel very good um, and thought, well, of course she's wrong. You know, she didn't see. But what we were, <laughs> yeah, she, she didn't see the beauty. This is, this is, the, the art was just above her, right? No, but, uh, <laughs> no, but what we were, one of the things we were learning is how to write a thesis statement and out of everything that you say in your essay, tie back to your thesis statement because you're making an argument. And we, we learned to actually work this in in a, in a bit more of a way that flowed a little bit better into our essays when I was in high school and in college. When I got to grad school, it was almost annoying the way they wanted the thesis statement. I mean, it wasn't creative. It was like, in this paper, I will argue. And, and so we would write it out very pedantically, like, here's my thesis statement. I'm going to argue this and this and this. And it's, to make it very clear, we wouldn't want the graders to have to look very hard, so we had to make it very clear. <laughs> and so there we were, writing our pedantic thesis statements. But I was reflecting and reading this gospel reading day in the book of John. And John writes out like a really pedantic thesis statement a lot like that right here. You want to know why John wrote the book of John? He's going to tell you. So John's purpose when he writes the book of John is that we might have life, right? John's purpose is that we might have life. So John's writing this gospel and he says in verse 31, right at the end of the reading we're reading, there's a lot of things Jesus did, but these are written that you may believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, and that by believing you may have his life in his name. In other words, he doesn't leave you in doubt. You don't have to wonder, why did John write the book of John, right? You don't have to wonder. We know why John wrote the book of John, because he tells us. He says, I wrote these things so that you may believe that Jesus is the Christ, and by believing you may have life in his name. John's purpose is that we might have life and life abundantly through believing in Jesus Christ, right? So the ultimate goal of John's gospel is that all of us might have life in Jesus' name. But how do we get that? How do we get life in Jesus' name? How is it possible for all of us to be made alive through Jesus? And I think what, what, when we dive into Jesus' message to his disciples over and over, the message he repeats as we read this reading, post-resurrection message, we're going to get a, a glimpse into how God brings about life in his name. So what is Christ's message? Christ's message is, peace be with you. It's what he says over and over and over in this passage. I think three times in these 12 verses. Peace be with you. We have Jesus saying that. So last week, to open our Easter service, we read Mark chapter 16, right? So we, we read this very short account of the resurrection of Jesus. Mark, especially when you take the, like the shorter ending, you'll have those little brackets you know, that say, hey, this longer ending that's here in Mark probably wasn't in the earliest manuscripts. You guys will see those in brackets as you're reading the Bible. But the, the, the shorter ending that we believe is the original book of Mark is really short. I mean, there's only like six verses or so devoted to the, entire, to the resurrection, and as opposed to like the other Gospels who might have a chapter or two after Jesus rose from the dead. This is, it ends really quickly. And when you read through the book of Mark, what you're going to see over and over is Jesus like does a miracle, and then he tells people, 
don't tell anyone about this. It's not time yet. Don't tell anyone. And what do they do? They go tell everyone about it, right? They, they immediately go tell, and they're telling, and then he can't even go anywhere because the crowds are following him, and he keeps telling them, don't tell anyone about this, and they keep telling everyone about this, right? It's happening. Oh, that's like the theme through the book of Mark. And then you get to the end of the book of Mark. You have the resurrection. You have the empty tomb. You have an angel telling everybody, go tell everyone about this. What do they do? They don't go tell anyone about it. They hide, and they're scared. Exactly. So, 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 through the, and that's the book of Mark is like pointing out, like, so when Jesus is saying, "Don't tell anyone," they're all telling everyone. And when he says, "Now it's time, go tell everyone," they're not telling anyone. No one, no one knows. They're scared and they're cowering, right? And here we are in John 20, and they're doing the exact same thing. The disciples are cowering in a room with locked doors because they're afraid of the Jews. Probably scared of the Romans too. There's a lot of a reason to be afraid, okay? There's a guy, Jesus, who was strung up to a Roman cross, and his body's gone. And the Romans, the whole point uh, of the crucifixion was that the body's not gone, that everyone knows this is what happens when you defy the Romans. This is, so, so there was going to be, the whole reason was, hey... We're going to hang you up publicly. It's going to be painful. It's going to be horrific. We're going to make sure everyone knows you don't want to get on the wrong side of the Romans, right? This is the whole point. And now a body's gone. And a bo so Jesus was hanging from a cross. He was in a tomb. There were Roman guards in front of the door of the tomb. And there's just, now the body's gone. And they're going to be asking some questions. Where's the body? They have reason to be afraid. Where's Jesus? Did you guys steal his body? What's going, you know, they, they have reason to be afraid because people don't leave tombs after they're strung up to crosses. It's kind of the point, right? And so they're scared. They're cowering in a room. And what's Jesus' main message? They're supposed to be telling the world about Jesus and they're afraid they're cowering in a room. Jesus' message is this. Peace be with you. He shows up. After this great failure, man, shouldn't they have been telling everyone? They were telling people when they shouldn't have been. Now there should be, and they're not. What's going on? Peace be with you. That's his word to them. When Jesus shows up on the scene, when, his, when he starts his ministry, before, right after his baptism, right? Like right after his baptism, his first sermon was this. Repent! For the kingdom of heaven is at hand, right? That's what he said. Heaven and earth are meeting. Turn away from wickedness. Turn to God. Repent. The kingdom of heaven is here. You need to turn away from evil. Now, of course, that's still a true message after the resurrection, right? Right relationship with God after the resurrection still requires repentance, still requires turning away from evil and wickedness and sin and turning toward Christ. Of course, that's still an important message, but... Don't get it twisted. That is not Jesus' main message post-resurrection. The main message of his uh, coming from his mouth was not repent, the kingdom of heaven is here. It was you can have peace with God. You can have peace with God. Think of what humans have done to him, though. 
God created the world. God breathed life into them. They rebelled against him. They turned away. He sent prophets. They killed the prophets. He, he, he sent his own son, Jesus. They killed his son, Jesus. Think of what people have done to God. Surely there's retribution on the way. Surely God's got to be mad. Peace be with you is the message of Jesus. God has every reason to wipe us off the planet, and yet his post-resurrection message is very simple. You can have peace with God. St. Paul knew this. That's why he wrote in Romans chapter 5, verse 1, Therefore, since we have been justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. But Thomas, even after this, is doubting, right? Thomas still doubts right after all this. And I really respect Thomas because he doesn't just doubt. I mean, he really doubts. He doubts like audaciously. <laughs> He's like, I'm going to doubt. You know, I don't, if I'm going to doubt, I'm going all in on my doubt, right? So he says, unless I see him, but see him's not enough. So unless I see him and I place my fingers in the wounds of his hands and I place my hand in his side, I will not believe, he says. What's Jesus' message to him after such audacious doubt? Peace be with you. Peace be with you. And then he holds out his hands and he says, place your hands right here and feel my wounds. Place your hands in my side. St. John Chrysostom said this, consider the mercy of the Lord, how for the sake of one soul he exhibits his wounds. Because he loved Thomas. Because God wanted peace with Thomas. God wanted peace with his disciples. So where are you at this morning? Where, where are you in, in your own faith and in your journey? Are you cowering in fear this morning? Much like the disciples huddled up in a room. God has called you to something and you're afraid. God's called you to, some time, to, to be able to proclaim the gospel and you're feeling fear this morning. You've wimped out about something. You know you should have, man, I had an opportunity here and I wimped out. Jesus' clearest post-resurrection message to you this morning is you can have peace with God. Everything has already been done that is necessary for you to have peace with God this morning. That's his message to you. Are you doubting and struggling to hold the faith today? Are you dealing with just doubt and insecurity of heart? God's clearest post-resurrection message to you is you can have peace with God. Peace with God is available to you. Did you sin like an hour ago? An hour. James, if you knew what I did an hour ago, you'd be so disappointed and everyone would be disappointed in what I've done. I'm a terrible person. I'm feeling ashamed. What I did an hour ago... God's clearest post-resurrection message to you today is you can have peace with God. This is what Jesus came to say to us after his resurrection is peace is available. Everything has been done that is necessary for us to have peace with God today. Everything that is done for us to be right with God and to have peace with God has been done by Jesus' death and resurrection. It's finished, he said, right? And when he rose from the dead, he displayed, it's finished. You can have peace with God. I can have peace with God.
See, peace with God... Peace with God doesn't take away the fact that we're called to holy living and righteous living. As God pours out his Holy Spirit upon us, yes, we're called to live a holy life. We're called to turn away from sin and wickedness and evil and death and turn toward Christ. We're called every day to repent and turn freshly to Christ. Yes, absolutely. Peace with God doesn't mean that we are not called to go out into the world, to proclaim the good news, to do great works for the sake of the kingdom of God, to do all the things that Jesus will later tell his disciples, heal the sick, raise the dead, cast out demons, preach the kingdom of God. He told them to do that. He gave them ridiculous marching orders, right? And he sent them out to do all that, and he's sending us out to do all that. But we can't mess this up. The foundation for all of that is that we can have peace with God, that we've been made right with God through Jesus Christ. See, Jesus says in this passage, I am sending you, right? He says, receive the Holy Spirit, and as God has sent me, so I am sending you. He says that to his disciples, right? But that's not the first message. The first message is, peace be with you. So, so the, the mission, the get to work, the do, that comes after, you can have peace with God. And it's not based on you cleaning yourself up and getting yourself right and doing enough good works and go, go reach enough people for Jesus. When you get to number 10, then, then I'm proud of you, right? That's not the message. It's a, in other words, God isn't mad. He's not standing over us angry. Everything has been done already for you and I to have peace with God. In fact, that, that is the good news. That is the message we're supposed to announce. That is when we're sent out. The very message is, hey, you can have peace with God. I mean, he... I have peace with him. If I can have peace with him, anyone can, right? That's the message. That's what he sent his disciples with. The foundation is you and I can have peace with God. So what's our response? How do we respond to that? We turn to Christ and live. We turn to Christ and we live. I want to encourage you, like, don't overthink this. We get, we get so because we look at our lives and we see that I'm I'm just I'm not the person I was supposed to be. You know I'm just and we we just overthink this. But listen, God already wants peace with you. God wants to be reconciled with you, already. God has already done everything that is necessary so that he can be at peace with you. He sent his son Jesus. His son Jesus died in your place, the death that you and I deserve for our sins, right? And then he rose again three days later. He conquered sin and death and evil. All that's already taken place. So we, all we can do, all we can do is turn to him and receive the peace that he's purchased for us. Receive reconciliation with our father. That's it. It's to turn to Christ and live. Don't overthink it. Make today the day. Turn to Christ and live. Receive from his table and live. Receive from the Lord's table the very body and blood of his son, Jesus Christ, and live. Don't clean yourself up first. Don't wait till you've got every question that you'll ever have answered. That, that, that day doesn't come. The day doesn't come when you know enough, when you're good enough, when you're smart enough, when you've cleaned yourself up enough. That day never comes. Turn to Christ now and live. He already has wants peace with you. See, this is the main message of the gospel. You and I can have peace with God. 
of course it's true that you can't be right with God without repentance, without turning away from wickedness, without renouncing the powers of sin and death and evil and turning to Christ and away from those things. But that is not the main tone of Jesus' post-resurrection preaching. The main theme is you and I can have peace with God. It's Jesus holding out his nails and saying, you're weak and you're feeble and you've sinned and you sinned yesterday and you denied that you, you said you wouldn't believe if you couldn't do this. Here, come do this. <laughs> That's the tone of Jesus post-resurrection preaching to us. Through the death and resurrection of Jesus, we have all that is necessary to be right with God and the sure pledge that God's desire for us is peace and reconciliation with him. Turn to God now. Turn to the God who wants to be fully reconciled with you. And go before his table fully alive and at peace with him. Receive the resurrection life that he's pouring out from his table right now indiscriminately. Feast on Christ with me. Feast on new life. Feast on the peace that has been purchased for us through Christ. Amen.